Join Dennis Seagrave for Den at Ten. Hello again. Well, it's been a, a mixed week with uh, heat and hot weather and some showers. We just got back from a week in Yorkshire. Had the caravan up there. Had a decent week. Took Monty, our young Springer Spaniel, as we've had. He's only 20 weeks old yesterday. But we took him for a few walks around. We went across to Hordraw Force. Then another day we went to walk around Semmer Water. Impressed with him, really. I mean, he's just a young dog, but we had to go through a couple of fields of sheep. Passing very, very close to some that were grazing and just stood looking at us literally within a few feet and yes we got him on a lead as we should have going through the countryside but he never he never flickered you know he never really took any notice of them he just had a look and carried on walking i was really pleased with him for that just goes to show he's a nutter in many ways but in other ways he's really good Took to the caravan well, settled, settled quite well in the van. It's been a good week. It was interesting driving back though. I I filled up with fuel before I went, and it's about 120 miles to where we where we have the van near Laban in Yorkshire, and we'd. Done some driving around to get nearer to Hordraw Force and we've been over towards Aysgarth and that sort of area. And I looked at the mileage and we'd done about 290 miles. And I thought, well, I've got 120 left to get home. That'll take me over 400 miles. And I never go that far on a tank full of fuel. I usually look to start refilling at about 350 miles. But I looked at the mileage and I looked at the fuel gauge and I thought there should be plenty in there to get home. And it doesn't do 400 miles to a tank full. But I tried it and... We got within about two miles of home and I got the little warning light came on to say my fuel was low. But it got us home quite comfortably. No panics. Unhitched the caravan and went and I got a bit of fuel in just in case anything happens over the, over the evening or tomorrow morning. If I need to go out, I, I can do them without having to panic to go and get some fuel before I go anywhere. I used to have that philosophy with my other car. Got a bigger fuel tank than this one but still up to about 440 miles was its maximum. I remember really panicking with that one up in Scotland. We'd driven up and we'd decided we were going up to Fort William, we'd got a 
a B&B booked up in Fort William and we decided we'd enjoy the journey not make a go of it racing all the way up there so we stayed overnight in Peebles I think it was we stayed overnight in Peebles and we've stayed overnight in Jedburgh on different journeys up and down in fact we, we stayed once at Balloch as well on the southern shores of Loch Lomond but on this particular one we stayed in Peebles lovely little B&B just for the one night and we set off then for Fort William sort of going across the southern uplands the southern highlands of Scotland and I looked at the fuel gauge and I thought yeah we'll we'll need some fuel on the on the last leg going up to Fort William little did I realize that we did about 200 miles without seeing a filling station not a sign for petrol anywhere along the way hmm <laughs> As we got closer and closer to Fort William, I kept crossing my fingers and hoping that the car would run on diesel fumes, ultimately. I remember we, we, we pulled in at a lay-by, we'd look through the trees as we went round the top of one of the lochs, and I said, that looks familiar over there. And we pulled in and went across and I got my camera and put the telephoto lens on it for a better view of what we could see and it was the house that was used as Glen Bogle in the television series Monarch of the Glen lovely looking place quite pleased to have seen it I don't go hunting down areas for film sets or whatever but if I happen to come across one it's uh, it's a bonus to say, oh yeah, yeah, it looks as, yeah. They've not altered it that much because of the filming, they've not added to it. And there it was. But I really did cross my fingers going into Fort William. It didn't matter what the price was at the first place I saw a sign for diesel, we were in there and filling up. But it worked okay, we did well. I suppose that's one of the things that I don't go out of my way to look for film sets but I remember we went into Fishguard, Lower Town where they filmed the Elizabeth Taylor, Richard Burton version of Under Milkwood and I was delighted by that just the same. But while we were cruising around looking at different things in Yorkshire and visiting different places we saw several barn conversions where the big archway through the barn where originally horses and carts would have gone and later tractors and trailers would have gone through but now they'd been converted there was either a big picture window in that big arch or they'd filled it in and put a smaller door in the panelling that they'd filled the arch with started reminiscing then I said to Elaine I said yeah that's there used to be a a farm on the main street in Oribus you went through the gates on the on the street and you went 
past the farmhouse and then to get to the, the yard at the back he went under one of these arches and then where the other outbuildings were around his farmyard which led on to another smaller road down the back streets of Oliver's. Now at one time of day when my dad and his mates were working on Oliver's show, putting it up and taking it down, for a couple of years we stored the equipment at this particular farm. The place where we used to store the equipment had been pulled down to allow for the expansion of the A38 into a dual carriageway. This was the original expansion. There's now three lanes of road at Oriwas. One is now a service road going in front of the old council houses and Leavesley's garage. That was the original A38. The carriageway that is now the one that goes northwards towards Derby was the second carriageway built to make it a dual carriageway. And then in later years they improved it even more and built a third carriageway which now became the southbound one. So it went from what is now the service road being the northbound carriageway and the second one being the southbound carriageway now has been re-altered to the present layout. The days when I used to live on that corner it was a, a T-junction. They knocked the Paul Pry Hotel down and the two houses on the end of our road to get the first extension to the make the road a dual carriageway. That was when we lost our storage space in the old air raid shelter at the back of the Paul Pry. So we used to take stuff there. And I recounted how I had two rough rides working on the Oliver show. This particular one related to this farm with the big archway through. We used to have pig and sheep pens, which were a rectangular wooden frame with corrugated metal to form the sides. Two metal loops at each end which you drove a stake through and into the ground to keep them supported. To make the square frame you put two of these at a right angle and drove the spike through the four hoops, two on each panel. Now these all took down and were stacked onto the trailer. Now this was a tractor and trailer. So you could get a tractor driver and what would be quite illegal now, you could get a passenger to sit on the side of the tractor, leaning against the mudguard at the back. And I used to sit on top of whatever was on the trailer. So we came down the road and across the A38 and up the main street. My dad perched on the side of the 
tractor next to the driver and me quite illegally sitting on top of these pig pens on the trailer. Well, we turned into the farm off the main street and went across the first yard. At which point I was looking in front of me and thinking, this trailer load of stuff isn't going to go under that arch with me sitting on top of it. But it kept going and it kept going. Not very fast, I'll grant it, but we were gently chugging across the farmyard. I realised then that my feet were going forwards and had gone under the guttering that ran across the top of this arch. This was a square one, not a rounded one. And there was a, a set of guttering off the roof. And my feet were just going under this guttering. And I'm thinking, I'm sitting here, and the rest of my body is a lot higher than that guttering on the side of this building. When thankfully, my dad realised what was happening as well, and he stopped the tractor. I heard him shout to the driver. Wow, relief. Got my feet out from under the, under the archway and clambered down the, the pile of pig pens onto the floor. Didn't deter me though, I, next time we went out I forget what we were bringing back, whether it was show jumps or what we'd got, but I was still on the trailer bringing all the stuff back with me because that's what we did in those days, people rode on the trailer. I know one other day we were on a different site and it was just as they were building the new part of the A38 in about 1963-64. The old A38, which is now the, the service road, was still in use, going both directions for traffic. But they'd started building the second carriageway, tarmacked it and put curbs in and a central reservation. Now, the showground in those days was down on the outskirts of Fradley. And to get there, we went along the A38 and then turned into the showground. Well, the, each year there was a different chairman of the show, different show director, as it were. A different farmer was in charge of what was happening and organised things and made sure what was going on. And this particular year, it was a farm that my dad knew well. He uh, he farmed the land around Wichnerside in Signal Box where my dad worked. So we went through the farmyard every day to get to work and often had a chat with this particular farmer. They knew each other well. My dad had done a few odd jobs with him as well. Always went about in an old... Land Rover, what I would call a pickup Land Rover. They've got no back on it, just the, the cab where you sat and then piled stuff into the back. Well, he always had a black and white collie dog that jumped up into the back of this Land Rover. Well, he came to the house to pick my dad up and he'd already got one bloke in as well. So the three of them sat in the cab in the front. And I jumped into the back and sat with the dog in the back. 
Well, this farmer then shot off along the new part of the carriageway. Nothing else on it, no traffic on it. He zoomed along and thought, he, I'll join it. I'll join the proper carriageway further up. Good assumption. Unfortunately, what he didn't realise, he went zooming off along the dual carriageway, the new one, but it was sealed off further up. They hadn't finished surfacing it. So he had to get on to the original single carriageway, which he did by bouncing over the newly made kerbs. There was no soil between the kerbs on the central reservation, they're not finished making it, so he bounced over one set of kerbs and then bounced up the other set of kerbs to get onto the road proper, without a great deal of slowing down. Once he got onto the road proper and was driving along towards Fradley, my dad turned round and looked through the window. The farmer said, uh, are you all right, Vic? What, what's, what's, what's the matter? He says, I'll just look and see if my lad were all right. Oh, well, he says, I forgot about him. And yeah, I'd been thrown and tossed about in the back of this Land Rover. I don't know how the dog does it every day, but he seemed to brace himself and seemed to know what was happening. I'd gone full length down the back of the Land Rover, crawled back up again just in time to hit the second set of curbs. But we made it. We were, we were in one piece when we got there and got on with doing the job. Yeah, happy days working on that showground. Nearly killed me twice, but happy days. I enjoyed it. Well, now we're home. It seemed a bit quiet to start with. Where we'd been, they'd, there were some sheep around somewhere. We could hear them bleating in the background. But the last two nights, the farmer had moved them into the field directly behind our caravan. And with the bitter rain that came for a couple of nights, they were right up against the fence under some of the hedge. So they were only about 15 feet away from the back of the van. Of course, Monty, our Springer, was there at the fence, trying to work out what they were. It wasn't any problem to him. He wasn't trying to get to them or being nasty or worrying me in any way that he was going to be aggravated by sheep but he was curious and I think given the chance he'd want to play with them. How do you explain to a 20 week old spaniel that these aren't fluffy dogs that want to play with him? But he was okay, he was okay. Took his 10 metre training lead and could run him round the field where the caravans were Big field, just three vans on it at any one time. So we could get him out into the middle of the field, throw the ball for him, whistle him, test his recall, let him run riot, really. He had a great time. But we got home, started sorting out and getting things into the house and... 
Getting a mug of tea and a bacon sandwich on the go more than anything else was the essential. But everywhere was so quiet. Just the odd bit of traffic going past at the end of the cul-de-sac. But other than that, it was brilliant. Then came about half past seven at night and the footballers arrived. Elaine said something and she said, well, she says, it was bad enough having the sheep. I said, yes, but the sheep don't shout and swear and use foul language at each other. They just bleat. Here we've got the foul language as soon as they reappeared. Somebody does a miskick, there's bad language. And I mean bad language shouted, which is a shame. But we, we can't complain. We've just had a week away and a, a break from it all. And there's no balls in the garden when we got back, so they've obviously been a bit more careful how they're kicking this last week or so. One of the things that we, we wanted to do as well with Monty was because we booked on the Jacobite Express, we went down to the Wensleydale Railway. We didn't book a trip on one of the trains because they've got a reduced service. They are operating again, but they're only doing about, a, about an eight mile round trip, I think it is. It doesn't go the full length from, well, it's, got, it's extended now to Scruton, not Leeming Bar, but they go to Scruton as well. And instead of then going all the way to Redmire by Castle Bolton, it only goes between Beedale and Scruton by Leming Bar. Leeming Bar, sorry, not Leming. So we didn't take him on the, the train, but we made a point of going down to Beedale Station at the time a train was due. So we went out onto the platform and stood close, let him see a train come in. Let him sit on the platform while all the passengers got on and off. He was in quite a crowd of people milling around him. Then the train to draw away. Funny really, we'd been trying him on his recall and doing things with him in the field and he, he wasn't responding very well at times to our whistles. He wasn't looking up and acknowledging us. He was too busy with what he was doing, too interested in other things. But when the guard blew his whistle for the train, his head snapped straight away and looked straight at this guard. <laughs> he doesn't do that when I whistle him, I said. I'll have to get him an Acme Thunder, same as a railway guard. That's not the one as I've got. But yes, he watched the train, all the doors slam and the train drew away. And he was brilliant. I was really pleased with him. So we said, we'll, we'll go into the station cap, get an outside table and have a, a coffee and a cake, as we very often do. But there weren't any outside tables available. There was somebody sitting at all of them. So I said, oh, that's, that's no good then, is it? We'd better move on. But Elaine says, well, it says on the door that dogs are welcome inside. Now, I'm not a great believer in taking dogs into an area where people are eating, but it seems to be a thing that happens 
one of my friends that I go to the quizzes with won't go into anywhere that isn't dog friendly as he puts it because he's always got a, a young dog with him and he goes out and about so he only goes to places that allow dogs in so it's probably me that's being old fashioned and saying I don't want a dog when the meeting but I thought well if this is becoming the thing and this is how it's going to be in the future we'll try it well, bless him, he went in there, he got straight under the side of my chair at the table and just lay there and didn't move until we'd had our tea and scone and were ready to come out again. Many of the doubts that I had about what we could do and what we couldn't do and what we could cope with are disappearing. He's turning into a gem when we need him to. As I've said before, the only problem is that when we put a lead on him, he turns into Satan's puppy. He pulls and pulls and pulls. And it's not just a gentle pull either. He braces his front legs. You see his, what I would say, you see his elbows stick out and he pulls and pulls and pulls. I tried to... Stop before we went away I stopped him I stopped walking but he was still trying to pull totally braced now according to the book you just walk backwards six steps and he's supposed to notice what you're doing turn round and come with you not our Monty he just dug all four feet in solid and was still straining to go forward so I was determined I was going to go backwards and he just gently slithered, all four feet still braced to the floor. He slithered through the gravelly path back towards me. We'll cure him eventually, we'll get him trained, we'll get it all on top. It's just frustrating that with the work we're putting in we don't seem to get much progress on that. But we have got a particular collar now that goes round him. He doesn't like it, he fights like anything to try and scratch the bit that goes over his nose. He tries to scratch that off. But once it's on and he settles to it for a while, he walks brilliantly. How we keep that going as a permanent thing, I don't know, because he, every so often he'll throw both front feet up in the air and try to pour this band off his nose. But it works when it does work. When he's not fighting it, he walks very, very well. We went for about two miles across fields and up to Hordraw Force, and he only tried to fight it off three or four times. The problem is when you put it on fresh, when you first start to go out, you have about 10 to 15 minutes of him frantically trying to scratch it off until he settles down to the fact as it's there to stay but even then he, if you relax and you don't watch what you're doing he jumps up again and tries to take it off again but that's us just keeping in touch with how things have been and what's happening a couple of reminiscences from the past it's been a long day today putting the Taking the awning down in the rain and packing everything away in the rain, driving home. 
starting to get a bit tired now. I've had a little nap this afternoon after we got back, but uh, time for some proper meal now. Time for tea. So I'll talk to you again soon. Ta-da for now.